Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. This is episode 146, and today we'll be chatting with Anthony Pompliano, the co-founder and managing partner of Full Tilt Capital, an early stage venture capital firm. Anthony served as a sergeant in the US military and is an Operation Iraqi Freedom veteran. After his service in the military, he launched two startups of his own in North Carolina, which were both later acquired. Anthony then decided to move to San Francisco and learn from larger startups. He worked on growth at both Facebook with the Pages team and later with Snapchat. Today, he's leading one of the most active venture capital firms, having made more than 22 deals in the first 90 days. Anthony joins us to share his story, how he started his career in tech, what it's like building a venture capital firm, what they look for in their investments, and much more. So once again, we'd like to welcome you to the show. Feel free to tweet at us at hack to start Drop us an email, hey at hacktostart.com, or share your feedback right on iTunes with a review. Good or bad, we'd love to hear from you. So let's get started. Hey, Anthony, thanks so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're super excited to have you on the show to get to learn more about, you know, your background and the things you've done and what it's been like building and starting Full Tilt Capital. But before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Like, where are you from and what did you study? I'm from uh, North Carolina. I was born in uh, South Florida, but grew up there in North Carolina. I went to Bucknell University, played football and uh, ended up majoring in economics and uh, sociology. That's really cool. So where did your passion for technology and startups kind of develop along along the, the way? I think I was just always interested in uh, science and technology and just out of that kind of you know personal interest, kept it up to date in terms of cool things that people were working on, how that stuff was being applied to solve uh, large problems, and then uh, naturally just you know as you kind of continue reading that stuff and keeping up to date on it, uh, wanted to work on it as well. Absolutely. That's super cool. So after school, you know, how did you start your career off? What were some of the first few jobs you had? Actually, when I was in college, I got deployed. I was in the military. I got deployed to uh, Tajay, Iraq and uh, during my junior year. Uh, and so when I came back, started taking school a lot more seriously and actually never had a job in terms of uh, working for somebody else kind of through college and, and then afterwards because I started my first company when I was a, a senior in college and then uh, did two tech startups before uh, ultimately going to work at uh, Facebook and Snapchat. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get to that, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about, I guess, you know, your experience building your own companies, especially the the second company, uh, Digiforce? Can you tell us more about that and really what motivated you to start that one? Yeah, I think the first one, you know, we just made a bunch of mistakes. You know, we were lucky enough to eventually sell the company, but definitely didn't grow um, quite at the rate that we had planned. And so um, great learning experience, able to do it with uh, three of my uh, best friends from uh, from childhood and, uh, you know, o- overall really positive. And then the second company, uh, Digiforce, we uh, use public social data, stitch it together in a couple of unique uh, ways, and then um, use that to gain uh, very granular insights on people. Um, people, places, and things. And uh, we were able to uh, sell that company in um, 2013 to a, uh, a defense contractor in uh, North Carolina. It's really cool. And I mean, maybe you can't go too far into it, but what was that acquisition process like for you and the team? 
Yeah, I think that anytime you go through something like that, really what you're looking for is, you know, you want both sides to come out feeling like they're, they got a good deal. Um, I used to say that anytime that you're doing a negotiation or some sort of transaction that with a, you know, another organization or party, the best deals are ones where both people feel like they left a little bit on the table, right? So the expectations moving forward are reasonable um, and everyone feels like they're compensated correctly, et cetera. And so obviously, uh, you know, we left that deal feeling that way. And, you know, I think that it was a great learning experience there as well, just kind of, you know, in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. So just touching on, I guess, a little bit more of your story, you know, being in, in the military and then coming back and starting two tech startups, what were some of the biggest lessons for you from both of those experiences? Um, one is what I call like the secret to life is uh, everyone's trying to figure it out. No one actually knows what they're doing. So if you kind of keep reminding yourself of that, then uh, your problems don't seem uh, too overwhelming. Um, you don't take yourself too seriously. Two is you can't do anything alone, right? You you need to surround yourself with the best people. And then the th- I think the third is you can capture um, incredible value by merely just building shit people want. That is literally the secret to um, building a company. And so if you just build things that people want, you'll usually set yourself up for success. That's great advice. And, you know, what was it like, I guess, building startups, tech startups back then, you know, 2011, 2012? Uh, What was the environment like for, for you, especially in, you know, North Carolina? In North Carolina, there was definitely not a you know huge exploding tech scene, kind of like Silicon Valley or New York has. Now it has gotten much better. There's a lot more focus. There's a little bit more capital. You know, many more peers for founders to uh, to spend time with, learn from, etc. But at the time, uh, it was kind of just really picking up. And so I think everyone was kind of just like figuring it out, which was both fun um, and exciting, but also left you know me kind of wondering hey if you're able to be success successful here like what about in these larger you know metros or or larger uh, tech markets that's really cool so after your time you know in the military and launching several startups you decided to join facebook to help lead the growth for the pages product so how did you create the opportunity to join the team there yeah, so, so I, uh, I went up to uh, Silicon Valley, um, I interviewed at uh, Google and Facebook, went to Facebook. The way Facebook works is uh, as a product manager, you go through like a onboarding boot camp, and then you go talk to a bunch of teams that have openings, and it's kind of like a double opt-in, right? So the team says, hey, we'd like you to join, and you say, yeah, I want to join your team. And I was really fortunate that I went to a product that had a lot of visibility, already had a um, pretty large uh, user base. I had a team, I think it was like eight people, and over a eight or nine month period went from about eight people to uh, 32 people across two offices, and uh, we were able to really grow the user base of that product um, pretty significantly um, in a short period of time, which, uh, you know, again, as a product manager, you probably get too much credit when things go well, and you probably get too much blame when things go wrong, and just absolute crash course in terms of, you know, influence leadership, data-driven, uh, iterative product development, um, you know, kind of growth tactics, just, just the whole nine yards. So it was, a, it was a great experience. That's awesome. So what were some of the challenges you faced while growing the Pages team back in 2014 slash 15? I think everything from uh, we wanted to get more people to use the Pages product, right? We wanted those people who then started using it to you know stay retained, right? So kind of deeper engagement, um, more usage. And then uh, the people who did kind of churn out, we wanted to go get them. 
right, and bring them back. And so kind of really working on the resurrection side as well. And so what you end up doing is you very quickly have to realize, like, no matter what you think is the right thing, you need to test it. The data has the answer. And so uh, that data-driven kind of iterative product development is uh, is one of the core you know, assets to Facebook. So kind of going through that process, you realize how much human bias is involved in product development. Normally, you realize how wrong you are in a lot of the things you think. And, and you really just learn to kind of trust the process of growth, right, in terms of um, all of the testing. And, and um, once you get good at that, then uh, you can take those frameworks and pretty much apply it to anything. That's really cool. I couldn't imagine what it would be like working on Facebook and having so much data to help drive decisions within the product. That's really cool. For sure. Yeah, I have no complaints. <laughs> <laughs> so what motivated you to kind of make the big jump to San Francisco and, and then join the big company like Facebook? You know, I, I was building these, you know, successful yet small companies. And I basically said to myself, look, there's two ways to learn how to build a big company, right? Either one, you can do trial by fire, right? And so just keep knocking your head against the wall and eventually hope that you do something different in terms of the result, or you can go find people who have already done it and learn from them. And so it seemed like the the more probable path to learning how to build a big successful company was going to learn from people who had done it. And so immediately thought of uh, Facebook and Google and just decided to go. That's really interesting. So if you had to give advice to product managers kind of just getting into the scene and have spent some a lot of time focused in startups, would you recommend that they should go to like a bigger company like Facebook and experience what it's like to be a product manager in a bigger company? Or do you think just continuing down the path in the kind of the startup world is, is just as good? Yeah, so I, I think that actually it's one of these things where practice makes perfect, right? Although you'll never actually be perfect. And so just like build products, whether that's at a small company, whether that's at, you know, a, a kind of a growth company, whether that's at a, a larger tech company. Um, I think just building, you quickly realize, you know, how to do that efficiently and, and effectively. The things you learn at Facebook, you may not learn at a small startup, but the things you learn at a small startup, you may not learn at Facebook, right? And, and so it's kind of really understanding uh, where are you in your career? What skill sets do you want to um, acquire? And then figuring out which stage company can help you learn the most uh, around that skill set and then going there. So on that note, following your time at Facebook, you were then part of the team at Snapchat. What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned or took out of both of these consumer tech experiences? Yeah, I, th I think that the big things are, uh, again, very similar to what I learned in the startup side, but, but just kind of in a different way, right? So like, you can't do it alone, you need a great team, you learn to talk to uh, your users or customers, you know, they've got the answer. And so if you can build things that they want, then you'll be in good shape. And then the, the third thing I think is, you know, really at Facebook, I, I took away this sense of how powerful technology was and so kind of really honed in on this personal thesis of um, science and technology can impact the world and, and I think that I was able to do that because uh, some of the teams I worked on after the pages team you know kind of really saw that in practice and, and uh, not only did it impress me but I think that it was the first time where I realized you know you can kind of do what you enjoy doing on a daily basis not feel like you're doing like charity work but still have a, um, a, a pretty large uh, positive impact on uh, another humans on the planet. So what are some of the biggest challenges facing consumer tech startups in your opinion, especially the entrepreneurs who are just starting out in that industry? Oh man, so we'll be here all night. I think <laughs> that uh, 
there's all kinds of stuff, right? So the most common mistakes I see, too many founders are worried about fundraising rather than you know actually building the right products. There's uh, another problem with not talking enough to their users. There's a whole nother world of like just building dumb shit, right? So like building a successful company, no matter how big it is, um, is hard. And so like go work on the hardest thing, kind of the way I always think about it, the, the kind of the biggest opportunity. And then the last thing I would say is a lot of founders are building companies because they think it's cool to build companies. They're not building it because they actually want to build the product and are going to stop at nothing to be successful. And so that's especially true on the consumer side when, you know, it's easy to say to your friends, hey, go download my app in the app store um, versus the enterprise or, or something else where maybe people don't use it. And so building consumer tech is, you know, sexy, but too many people, I think, are doing it for the wrong reasons, um, which obviously hurts the uh, the business. Yeah, absolutely. Those are all great, great points. And I'm sure, you know, you see a ton of it uh, with, with what you're doing today. So you're the founder and managing partner of Full Tilt Capital. So can you tell us a bit more about what really motivated you to create Full Tilt Capital? Yeah, I saw just a, a large opportunity in uh, early stage investing. So it was pretty obvious to me that the current ecosystem was broken in terms of the way I thought that investing should be done. Um, there was a lot of investors who were trying to financially engineer returns. There wasn't a lot of company building that was going on. I didn't see too many early stage investors who had direct operating experience at a successful level. The third opportunity I saw was there were not a lot of investors who had kind of courage and conviction at the earliest stages. And so I said, you know, look, I, I think that if you build a fund that one is willing to have that courage and conviction, regardless of who else is in the deal or, or what the company is doing or, or any of this, you know, kind of crazy social proof stuff, that that would be interesting. Two was if you just work your ass off to uh, make sure that your companies are successful and, and look at this as a thousand year journey um, and, and kind of just always do right by founders. I think you can build a, a really strong reputation for that. And then the third thing was basically all the early stage investors thought they were smarter than they really were. You know, they all make a small number of concentrated bets and tell you how intelligent they are. And they write their medium posts about, you know, the, the two-sided marketplace and the macro effects of this or that. And, and frankly, I'm not even smart enough to, uh, to read that stuff, let alone write it. And so I went and I looked at all the data for the last 35 years, all the venture return data. And the only two things that correlated to outsized returns were, were you in the best deals and were you early? And so if you're early in the best deals, your check size doesn't matter. Your follow on decisions don't matter. Nothing matters. Right. And other than just being in and being early. And so, you know, kind of taking that approach, I said, look, you know, I want to start a venture fund. And so I partnered up with my buddy, Jason Williams. Jason comes out of uh, medical robotics, hard science um, world, previously built a uh, retail chain of urgent care facilities that grew to be the second largest in the U.S. And we said, look, let's just kind of run at this full speed. And, and we really developed this thesis that uh, early stage startups face four problems, customer acquisition, fundraising, hiring, and uh, press coverage. And we said, uh, the only way we know how to build companies ourselves is to build momentum. Because when you have momentum, acquiring customers becomes easier. People want to work for you because they think you're going to be the winner. People want to give you money because they think you're going to be the winner. And the press wants to write about you because you're raising money, hiring great people, and you got a lot of customers. And so the whole idea around uh, the name Full Tilt was to just build momentum um, because the definition of full tilt is uh, maximum velocity at top speed. And, and so how do you just go from a standstill to that maximum velocity? You know, you kind of go full tilt. And, and so that's why we named the, uh, the, the firm full tilt. And, uh, and then, you know, we kind of just jumped into it. And in the first seven months made 41 investments and give me five, seven, 10 years and I'll tell you if we're right or not. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's super cool. I, I love the conviction. Like I said, I don't know if we're right, but we got a plan. We're going to go execute the plan and uh, kind of just trust that, uh, you know, we did the work up front to, to understand what the right strategy was. And we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds super cool. So what's it like starting a VC fund? Like what have been some of the some <laughs> of the challenges you've had to overcome in, in the early days? Starting a VC fund is exponentially harder than starting a company, um, especially when it comes to fundraising. You know, I, I've previously raised money for companies, raised million dollars in a weekend from top investors in Silicon Valley. Raising money for a venture fund is a completely different ballgame because people aren't asking, can you build a company? What they're asking is, do you have not only the awareness to know about deals, can you get access to those deals? And then can you also support those companies, be a good capital allocator, understand how to manage um, and do portfolio construction, right? There's so many different components to it that it ends up being a um, very, very different conversation. So we found it to be uh, much harder, but we think it'll be worth it. I know you kind of just touched on it really quickly, but maybe more in depth. What's it like going from being on the founder side of, of a startup to being on the VC side? It's the same, man. We're founders of a company. That company happens to be a venture capital fund. But if you think of it from a company perspective, we have a product. That product is capital. And so we've got to go get customers for our product, right? And those customers are founders, right? And so we've got to do everything from you know marketing to uh, customer support to operational efficiencies, the whole nine yards. So we don't look at it at all as we're running a venture capital fund. We look at it like we're running a company. You know, when, when you do that, I think that um, it's a different way of looking at building something like this. But, uh, but it's just that's the only thing that we really know. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, uh, you know, just a few minutes ago, you guys kind of hit the ground running. You know, it's been almost a year and you guys are extremely active. You guys did do 22 deals in your first like 90 days with some investments in some really interesting companies like Aptopia and Hardbound. So what is it that you sort of look for when considering an investment in, in a startup? Founders, all we really care about. I just want to, uh, I want to invest in the best people. Um, if you think of an early stage startup, almost every single thing that they are pitching um, in the early days is going to change. So the company's going to change, their markets are going to change, their products are going to change, everything else is going to change, right? Even the team might change, right? But the one thing that we know is going to stay the same or, or the most likely thing to stay the same is the founder. And so if that one constant is there, we want to make sure that we're investing in the best people. And if we invest in the best people, we think we've got a fight and chance. And, uh, and then we define the kind of the best person or the best people as uh, we're looking for gamers. So what I mean by a gamer is, you know, I play football in college, right? And so a gamer in kind of the athletic world is uh, somebody who, um, you know, when there's the last second shot, they want the ball. They're the one who they're in the gym at two o'clock in the morning and they're just outworking people. You know, they, they, they just... They're more scared of losing than they are, you know, looking to win. And I think if you can find people who just have these qualities to them, that's what they end up doing. They just find a way to win and they won't stop until they win. So those are uh, those are the people we're looking for, man. We're looking for gamers. What do you guys look to invest in? What types of companies? What spaces are you are you super passionate or really interested in exploring? So we're completely industry agnostic and location agnostic. Um, we've made investments previously in everything from hardcore biotech to consumer software, medical devices, enterprise software, consumer goods. Right now, you know, we're always just looking for good founders building solutions for hard problems. But we've been taking a, a deep dive into uh, some more technical issues. So things around biotechnology, uh, implantable tech, cryptocurrency, artificial intelligence, things like that, where uh, we think that if you put in the time and effort to actually learn how that stuff works and, and teach yourself the nuances of the, the technicalities, um, there's a real opportunity to not only kind of vet the best companies, but also be helpful to them uh, over a long period of time. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool to hear. What's next for Full Tilt Capital? Like, what are you guys planning? Uh, you know, over the next year or, or so? Keep investing. So we're uh, we're looking for uh, great founders who are working on incredibly hard problems in large markets, and so. You know, this isn't really a job. I, I, you know, I tweet all the time and I say that uh, it's incredible that, that I get to do this every single day, right? I get to meet some of the smartest people in the world working on the hardest problems in the world. I mean, they teach me. So every single time I sit down and somebody's telling me about their business, I'm learning. And, and you know, if you take that approach to it, like this is absolutely incredible that I get to do this. Um, you know, not only am I thankful about it, but it really helps get me excited and kind of jump out of bed every morning, right? That sounds amazing, man. I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Full Tilt Capital evolves over the upcoming months and just years. It's, it's, it seems like it's going to be such an amazing story that you're, you're telling with this investment firm. Oh, well, I'm excited. So shifting gears, what are some of the most recent apps that you've downloaded or used? Playing around with Pocket a bunch. That's been uh, super helpful in terms of saving you know, articles and stuff. I really like kind of how they've built that. I've also I recently downloaded um, Facebook Mentions, which is pretty unique. And then obviously Hardbound's been on my phone for a while, but they just got a new update. So I feel like it's a new app, but uh, they're doing a fantastic job over there. So Nathan and Joe are just crushing it. That's pretty much it. I, I'm a little weird in that uh, I actually try not to download too many new apps. I really like to talk to the founders first and understand kind of what's their vision for the world and why are they building stuff and everything before I ever download their app. Um, and then once I kind of have those conversations, then I go and I download and play with the product because I'm less worried about what the product does or how it looks or functions now. Um, and I'm more worried about who's the person and kind of what's their long-term vision. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so do you have any recommendations on just like great content that you've come across lately, either books, videos, or just blog posts? So just given my background, I, I get asked all the time about growth resources. So uh, I don't know, maybe back July, August last year, I wrote a Medium post um, where I literally just listed out all of the best articles, blog, videos, podcasts, books, people, um, just as many resources as, as I could put my mind to. Um, I just listed out in a uh, in a Medium post. Um, so I always point people there if they're looking for growth resources. When it comes to reading kind of more on a daily basis, I get a bunch bunch of uh, email newsletters, right? So I don't really go to like uh, news sites. I, I pretty much just do everything through these email newsletters. So we read, um, I think Nick Frost does a great job with Madam Mark Daily, Dan Primack and the team over at Axios with all of their newsletters. They've got, you know, they've got a business one. They've got a Generate, which is an energy one. Vitals is a healthcare one. Aaron Griffith does a great job uh, with Fortune's business email newsletter. Also, I will, um, CB Insights, uh, Nikhil has one um, around digital health that's pretty good and then Polina Marinova from Fortune she's got one um, called The Profile that goes out every Sunday morning um, that I really like between uh, you know Pocket all those growth resources and then the email newsletters yeah it's pretty much a good start at least so do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by and you think other people should know about <laughs> yeah, I think that one of my favorite pieces of advice is just a personal model for me. And, and it's just like you're in charge of your own life. Anything that happens to you, you're in charge of. Anything that you do, you're in charge of. And, and I adapt that to, to business in that I always say, like, no one's going to show up today and build your company for you. And so just take ownership of what goes on in your life. And I think that it'll put you in the driver's seat and uh, set you up for success. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't think of a, a better way to end the episode. Anthony, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, speak with us today. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. You guys got it. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that's another episode of Hack to Start. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon.
Remember to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as on the web at hacktostart.com. We honestly couldn't do this show without your awesome support. So if you liked what you heard, feel free to share it on Twitter or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and until next week. Thank you.